0: Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the show based on the Thrive Bible reading guides. This is an ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby. Portuguese tarts, Stu, one of the great inventions from Portugal. I've never been to Portugal. Me neither. But if Portuguese tarts are an indication, it's, of worth how going. Good, it's worth going. It's worth going. So I appreciate you feeding me before we jumped into this. No problems. I'm hoping yeah. you're going
1: to do most of the talking because I only had one bite out of mine. <laughs> I know. I know. It's <laughs> actually it's, looking very it's within reach. It's within reach. <laughs> it is within reach. So. Good. What are we doing, you Stu? Welcome, folks. Yes, to uh, Thrive Deeper, uh, episode 139. It's our second episode as we look into the book of Romans. Mm. Uh, last week we kind of covered chapters one through to uh, to three, and uh, this week we're going to be covering chapters four to six. Yeah, so it's going to be it's going to be exciting because there's some great stuff in here. So perhaps before we kick off, I just do a mm. bit of a recap yep. where we've got to. So obviously this is one of Paul's letters to the church in Rome. Uh, the church there is a. Is a mix of Gentiles and Jews, and there's obviously this has seeded some questions mm. around the law as opposed to grace by faith. So, Paul is teaching uh, through this that all of humanity has been trapped by sin, needs to be set free, but that freedom can't be achieved by obeying the law of the Torah or the rules. It's God's righteousness or his just character that's actually moved him to rescue us through Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross. That's great. Good so, summary. Yeah, yeah. So in this, yeah. everyone can be saved or set free from the grip of sin and become part of God's family. But it's based on faith alone. Yeah, I love the I love the
0: way that that has that leveling effect because, of course, one of the big issues that Paul is dealing with is the relationship between Jews and Gentiles yes. and, and whether... Gentiles are, are they're not quite there Christians you yeah, know yeah. Uh, and and or whether the perhaps the, the the Jews are a little bit ahead and the sort of status issue in the church in Rome mm. love the fact that he just levels everything mm. with this sense no we are all equally bad yes and we are all equally made right by faith, you know by God's grace, through faith, by grace. You know, mm, yeah, uh, it's it's great. I love the way that it just puts everyone uh, in the same boat. Uh, I one of the big issues, of course, Stu is uh, is this some new thing? You know, is this some new teaching?
1: Is someone changing
0: the <laughs> that's rules? That's right. I, it's, this suddenly. is that's yep. right. And and so Paul is at pains to point out, no, this is this has always been it. And I think this raises a really interesting issue. Actually, I, I don't. Uh, I, I feel at times. That some people see things working differently in the Old Testament mm. than they do in the New Testament, like oh, you know, well, the Old Testament, yeah, that's when it was all by law and they were saved by keeping the law, and yeah. and but now it's the New Testament. It's you know, where the Old Testament was all about law, mm. and the New Testament's all about grace. Right. Uh, no, no. Actually, this is a very important point that Paul makes here: is that it was always by grace. It was yep. always by grace. The law wasn't given as a means so that people could, um, you know, keep it and you know be become deserving yes. or merit. Their status with God in any way. Now, the law was given as a way of, I guess, indicating where the parameters, what way that I sometimes illustrate this, is that the law is like the rumble strips Mm. along the side of the road. Mm. Uh, The rumble strips are there to tell us when we're going off road, but the rumble strips aren't the road. And what Paul is going to talk about here is living by the Spirit, which is how the way that we've always created to live in with that level of unity, relational unity with God, that's not living by the law. Living by the law is just, just you're just living in relationship with a with an abstract code yes. of ethics. Yes. That's not what God. God, of course, wants us to live within, you know, and within the bounds of the law, and wants to live the life that the law um, envisages. Yeah. Uh, the law isn't the road. No, it's the it's the edges. It's the it shows where the road is. Uh, living by the spirit is the road. So, in order to to show that this has always been the case, uh, of course, where does Paul go? And and in Those, the next couple of chapters, he's going to go back, yeah, uh, and show this was all part of the big story. Mm-hmm. And to Abraham, of course, who was key to the Jews in terms. That's of the, right. Yeah. So this is the. I mean, no one is. That's is right. more elevated in in the Jewish mind than Abraham is the great man mm. of faith, and Paul shows that actually this is how it was with Abraham. It, Abraham was, you know, received God's grace through faith, and uh, and he makes a very compelling argument. And in fact, it says in in uh, Genesis fifteen talks about Abraham's response to God's promise. And it says, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Even though he was a very imperfect man, he was made righteous because he responded in faith to Mm. God. Mm. So, and Paul's saying that this is, you know, this is way before the law. It's, uh, you know, the law was given later. Um, This is, but the real fundamentals are laid down uh, here in the time of Abraham. This is, Abraham is the one that, that, exemplifies the kind of relationship with God that he wants. That's right. You know.
1: And he talks about many of the things that the Jews were trying to highlight as being key things you needed to do or be yeah. to be saved and saying, well, hang on, Abraham didn't even know that. Yeah, that's no, the right. Humble strips weren't even there. Yeah, Abraham. that's
0: right. Yeah. Exactly. And so, and even the fact that, the, you know, the very important to the Jewish people was the symbol of being circumcised that, you know, if you receive the sign of the covenant and you do your best to keep the law, then in their minds, that's, that's what kind of counts, you mm. know, that's what makes you a Jewish person in the sense of being a member of the covenant community. Mm. Well, he points out that Abraham received the promise by faith, he was that circumcision came way later. That's right. Uh, in, in his lifetime, I mean, but uh, and, and certainly the law, not even in his lifetime, well beyond. Uh, so, this is underscores the fact, and even, you know, throughout the Old Testament, there's the. The note of grace. Some of the most beautiful expressions of the grace of God. I mean, Psalm thirty-two. Uh, you know, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against him. Yeah, this is. These are expressions of grace. This is the words of David, mm-hmm. who celebrates the grace of God. There is grace all the way through the biblical story. Uh, people, you know, some of the some of the worst people who because they called on the name of the Lord, and as it said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, by grace, they were made right with God. This is not just Abraham. This is all the way through. Yes. But of course, you know, Abraham becomes this key figure for Paul because, uh, you know, he enjoys this relationship with God before the rite of circumcision was added, before the law was even given. That's where he's important for this argument. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. he then moves into chapter five, and here we kind of move into the next session. So, so chapter four is kind of proving this biblical yes. proof yep. uh, for everything that he's just said in that first three chapters about, you know, everyone's on the same footing; we're all made right uh, by, you know, by grace through faith. Right. And then, chapter five, the first half of chapter five is interesting because, essentially, what he's saying one of the things that the Jews looked forward to. Was was the, the the eschatological shalom, and I'll explain what I mean by that. By eschatological, meaning the after this age, you know, when when the, when this corrupt world is done away with, and the kingdom of God covers the earth as the waters cover the sea, mm-hmm. you know, to quote the prophet, uh I think Isaiah, and they they looked forward to this this time of of pervasive shalom of peace, right, and. So, what Paul is doing here is really interesting because he's basically saying that in Jesus Christ, that eschatological Shalom, that peace, we actually have that now. Mm. you know, so so in a sense, so the verdict that you perhaps see this is the thing if it's about keeping the law, then you never quite know until the end. until the end, on the day of judgment, you never quite know, do I actually, did I ever actually measure up? I mean, you can imagine what that would do. <clears throat> to the way you live your life. Yes. But what Paul is saying is that, no, we can actually be certain now of that verdict. Because if it's by faith, if it's about receiving God's grace through faith, well, then we can be sure of that verdict then. And we can, and therefore, we can actually share that peace, not only the peace of being right with God, that's the main thing, because he says – he says, we have peace with God in the first verse of chapter five. Mm. So that's the most important thing. Yeah. Uh, so so we're made right with God and we know that we are. We don't have to wait until the final verdict. Uh, we are ahead of time. We can be sure of the verdict then yeah. because of our faith. Yes, But we also have the, it's, it's not only the absence of sin or for example uh, it's it's actually the presence of the holy spirit yes. that brings this peace uh, as well so we have this peace that is this sort of heavenly experience that we yeah. can actually have now yeah that's and a really important point that he makes there in absolutely. that section
1: and it's it's about reconciliation because it's about the peace that was once held and yeah. then lost yeah. as a result of adam exactly and, yeah and then it's been uh, reclaimed that's right so he the says therefore
0: since we have been justified through faith yes We have peace with God Mm. through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So he doesn't discount the future. That's right. Um, He says we actually now can anticipate that future, not with fear, thinking, oh my goodness, how am I going to measure up? Mm. No, we actually anticipate that now with joy. Mm. Uh, Now, the question arises, of course, um, hang on, joy now? Mm. Have you yes. not noticed? Yes. Uh, how um, you know? I mean, uh, despite uh, the the various uh, trials and tribulations, even in our day, uh, that that we suffer. I mean, these people were really at the coal yes. face yep. of the evils and harshness yep. of of this world system. Mm. So you can imagine them mm. saying, "What? Yeah. And your peace? Uh, th- this doesn't feel like heaven. This yeah, yeah. feels very much like the world. That's so why then he
1: says, rejoice in your suffering.' That's right. Like, mm, okay."
0: It's beautiful, actually. He says, not only so, because he anticipates the objection. Yes. What? You know, rejoicing? Peace now? You've got to be joking. So he says in verse 3, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. Mm. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts Mm. through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Mm. Let me just explain because that might not be clear. It's like, yeah, I don't know how much of an answer that is. This, well, interesting thing, actually, what he is doing in these first 11 verses of chapter 5, he's actually summarizing a whole lot of things that he's going to talk about more later, in the, on. It, later on. So, uh, he talks about hope in chapter 8. Uh as really, the, you know, and, and even here, he, he says, we, you know, we glory in this hope. And, and, and there's a sense, and he says it in chapter eight, that we are actually saved by hope, in a sense. Now how, how are we saved by hope? Because we can tend to think, hang on, isn't hope just saying, oh. oh I hope that happens. Yeah, gee, I hope that happens. Mm. No, no, no. Hope actually mm. is the longing for what faith is certain about. Yes. So it's firmly grounded in faith. But it's the longing for that, and the reason why we're saved by hope. So let me give you an example of, of what hope really is like. Hope is the opposite to being really comfortable and happy with the present, the way that things are. Yes. Okay, if you're really, oh, I kind of like it here, actually. Yeah, it's not. I'm, you know, I'm fine with the way that. No, that's yeah. that's well, a problem. You, and what are you hoping yeah. for? Yeah, exactly. If everything's
1: fine. You're not hoping for anything. That, really for hard,
0: Paul, that's a problem, that yeah. attitude. That's yeah. like, oh man, you've acclimatized. This is actually this world. If that's, if that's the, and this, I think this is a real challenge for us, oh, I agree. you know, yeah. in our, in our day and age. In Western church, uh, that's today. right. I mean, you know, we can kind of like it here. It's like, mm. oh, this is okay. And then we get really indignant if it starts to become not okay, mm. you know, mm-hmm. not the way that we want it, uh, because you know, we need to face the reality that the world is really messed up, right? We just uh, belong to the very small minority that don't really feel the brunt of that. Um, Paul says we're saved by hope because hope is the thing that makes us look beyond the here and now yes. and anticipate what God is bringing about. It's it's what Jesus talked about when he said, listen, don't go to sleep. Mm. You, you know, it's like the, uh, you know, that um, watchfulness. Yes, anticipate. Stay awake. Yeah. Uh, don't get doled into a sort of a um, cont- the wrong kind of contentment with the here and now. Yeah. Eagerly anticipate what God is bringing, and the only way that we do that is not liking. We're not meant to actually like the world system the way that it is. John says, "Do not love the world." It doesn't mean people. Yes. He's talking about the world system the way that it is. We're not meant to like it. No. Yeah. you know. So I think there's some really great – and we'll talk a bit about this uh, in the next
1: episode it, when we get to It's also pretty eight. difficult to hope in something that you actually don't believe has got a chance of happening, yeah. in, in essence. So yeah. in a sense, if there is an element of hope, there's a sense of you believe it could be. Yeah. you know, And so it kind of feeds back into yeah. faith as well. Uh, yeah. I, I think the other thing that was interesting to me is it's hope – in your suffering, not because of your suffering. Yeah, that's uh, so a very good rejoice point. Yeah. In your suffering, so in other yeah. words, it's like even though you may still be suffering, we can mm. rejoice because of this yep. hope. Uh, we don't have yep. to be excited about the fact that we're suffering. No, yeah, exactly. Sort
0: of and yeah. I, that's a very important, uh, important point. It's that there, there's at this. In the first century, there was a um, probably the, the dominant school of philosophy at the time was a was a, a, way, a school of philosophy called Stoicism. It was sort of a mixture between Platonism and Aristotelianism, and uh, and and we we've inherited the um, the the word. Stoic. When we think of someone that doesn't react very emotionally to things that happen, yes, and we also have the the term being philosophical about things. I'm going to be philosophical about things, and um, and so the Stoics just felt like there was a reason. If if, if something's happened, they were very deterministic. If something has happened, uh, it, it was it had to happen that it way. To be, yeah. And and even though it seems kind of chaotic, no, it's part of it, it's actually part of a grander rational order that we just don't. See the rationality of that yep. kind of grand order, right? So, the problem with it, and, and often that gets that way of thinking is since the first century, uh, has actually gets confused, I think, with the Christian worldview, with the biblical worldview, because that actually isn't what we think. Mm. According to the biblical worldview, the world has descended back into chaos, so there's, there's stuff that's happening that isn't, uh, particularly rational it's it 's part of the chaos and yet the promise as um, uh, as Paul says a little later on in the at the end of chapter eight it says and and in all things God works for the good of those who love him doesn't it's not saying that God likes the way that all things happen you That's know right. and human beings have brought a lot of chaos in the world so I think your point is a good one it's not we're not we're not rejoicing at the suffering or at we're not saying oh, you know I'll just accept the world the way that it is. Because, of course, Stoics believe that, oh, no, I have to just accept the way that the world is. It's meant to be And then I can find this Stoic kind of philosophical attitude of of kind of calm, right? Mm. Uh, That's the wrong kind of peace. Uh, So, um, you know, we actually encouraged to do the opposite which is no don't accept the world the way that it is yes uh, understand that it's passing away and like rejoice at the fact that this is passing away and that God's bringing something something new so I mm. think uh, you know Paul is is arguing these points against the backdrop of, of, of something that I think you know I is still very much around you know I even sometimes hear Christians saying well you know there must be a reason why yes, that right. happened yeah right. No, it's just bad. I think exactly. it, because And I think deep down we know that this it's just bad. And it's it's, it's just really world. bad. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, no, and, you know, God is sovereign over everything. It's yes. like, but that's different to saying that everything, you know, uh, everything has to be somehow good. We have yeah. to see that, oh, no, uh, there, there was a reason that, you know, that this had to happen because of this. Well, mm-hmm. I mean…
1: Do you think though that's, that's problematic? Do you think though that's Christians who feel like they've prayed about this particular issue and and if it hasn't gone the way they want it to yep. go or felt like it should go or th- yep. seems to them to be the right way, then they're kind of saying, "Oh well, that must just be God's will in that situation." Do you think that's part of uh, what's I'm feeding more, that?
0: I'm more thinking of the sort of senseless, sort of suffering that you know, just yep. the senseless things that just aren't right. It's yep. like. Yep. Uh, and I don't think we get upset enough about that stuff to be. No, with you. no, uh, I don't g- think. Well, well, I, I, perhaps we think that faith mm. is is sort of accepted. And this is where I think we confuse faith with a stoic, this stoic attitude, mm. where oh, I just have to accept it. Yeah. No, 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 no. D- like, y- y- you're not meant to like it. Th- you're not meant to like it. I mean, when Jesus heard about the death of Lazarus, yes, y- you know, um. He wept. it's yeah. the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept,
1: he wept over Jerusalem.
0: yeah, he wept over Jerusalem. I mean he he didn't just accept that and he, I mean of course he, mm. he, he this is the you know he had power over death, and yet in the face of death, he weeps, yes because it shouldn't it shouldn't happen. it's not yeah. the way it wasn't God's plan for human beings mm. so uh, so yeah we we need to I think. Remember that that kind of stoic way of thinking that can get confused with a sort of Christian Faith, peace, yeah, with yep. Christian peace that actually isn't what Christian peace means. Yeah. Christian peace is gained in a sense from the hope that we have, the security of that hope, that you know what this is a breath, this life is gonna it's 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 passing away. Yeah, uh, we're mortal. It's it's a you know the world is a is is messed up, uh, but God has is doing something about that and yeah. we're part of that. Yeah. And so we hope in what God is bringing about. That's where we get our peace from. Yeah. It's what yeah. God is doing in the suffering.
1: Yeah. We know how the how it ends.
0: That's right. Yeah. And that's the point. Yeah, and we yeah. and we do. We have peace that in the midst of the suffering mm-hmm. God is going to is going to use every circumstance actually in yes. some way, yeah. uh, you know. I mean, paradoxically, in the sovereign, this is the sovereignty of God. Uh, he doesn't like it the world the way, it, but and yet, in every circumstance, hmm. uh, God will work for the good of those who love Which Him. Which he
1: goes on to say, you know, rejoicing in afflictions because we know that they bring endurance, yeah, and endurance, you know, character yeah. and, yeah. Character, and yeah. character and so on.
0: Yeah, so. that's right. Yeah. the The second part of uh, of chapter five is a, Paul, again, going back to the big, big story. Mm. And this is really big picture mm. here. So he says in verse 12, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, talking about Adam, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned, he sort of break. he actually doesn't, he, he puts in this long kind of parenthetical statement, like it's like this long section it should be in brackets almost. Right. Yep. And then he kind of comes back, uh, in verse eighteen, he says, "Consequently, picking up this thought, yep. just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and yep. life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man the many will be made righteous." righteous. So he's referring to the kind of the big, the big story here that uh, that is. Really connected with an idea that is less familiar to us: the idea of federal headship. Again, and I think we talked about this: the relationship between the one and the many. Right? Uh, did we talk about a that? Few uh, not in this. Yeah, and maybe not, not in this episode. No. Um, in in biblical thought, and certainly this is a feature of of ancient thought, and I think it's much more true to the facts, true to reality. Certainly, the way that God created us to be. There is this close connection between the one and the many. Uh, we think very individualistically; yes. yeah, it's really. about me and God. Um, but in in Scripture, we're all sort of connected, and so you have this idea of uh, of people who, in some sense, can represent the many. Mm-hmm. You know, so we have instances where. Uh, someone sins and their whole family bears the consequences. Yeah. Uh, that l- that level of identification between the one and the many can be disturbing to us. Right. Uh, or the priest who can go in and, a, yeah. and,
1: a- and a pray at the atonement of
0: sin. That's right. And everyone, I mean, th- there's there's a positive yeah. side to that too. Yes. Because, so, you know, so, I mean, Adam sins. And so, uh, you know, as the sort of representative head of the human, you know, human race, in whatever sense that is, and there's some debate over in what sense uh, that is, but, but certainly, that level of headship meant that sin was brought into the world mm. and death through sin, so that everyone kind of, you know, <laughs> has, has the consequences of what this, you know, what these pe- first people did. Yeah, um, but uh, it also goes the other way because, of course, the priest can go and offer a sacrifice and um, and do that on behalf of everyone. Yes. Uh, so it works the other way too. And of course, but that's, of course, only symbolic of mm, what Jesus mm. did. So, you know, Jesus can, on behalf of everyone, uh, can offer himself as a sacrifice and, and satisfy God's justice and do that on behalf of everyone. Mm. So this kind of way of thinking in which the one can represent the many uh, I think is an important statement about the connectedness uh, of all yeah. uh, of all humanity, and actually in um, uh, Acts chapter two, it's interesting. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, when he's when he's preaching, and, and you know, the Holy Spirit's poured out on the Acts chapter two, mm. and uh, and the the people watching cry out and say, What what must we you know, must what must we do to be saved? And he says, you know, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be baptize every one of you. And and he says, the promise is to you and your children.
1: Yes. Yeah. So
0: even though he doesn't separate, he says, "If you make this decision, mm. it's not only you. You are actually. It's going to affect all of the people in a sense under your, mm. in that sense under your headship, as it were. So this this concept that's quite alien to us is always at work in the Bible. It makes sense of a lot of things. So where does that
1: take us in relation to people who would have this thought of universalism, where mm. where if if the sin of one Affects all, then, yeah. the sin, the, the, then the sacrifice of one atones for all. And you know, obviously, there are some that would have the belief that there is no no hell. If, essentially, when we yeah. die, we get restored yeah. back to Christ, or or perhaps there's a, a season of punishment or purgatory, yeah. as some call it, before we're then restored. But ultimately, all would be restored. How you know? How do we yeah. balance that off against this? Well, first of
0: all, you can see how people might find that in yeah. here because it says, yep. as through Adam, all fell into sin so through Christ all are made right mm. okay mm. the answer actually is is in is, has been laid out actually already in this yes. letter because the relationship of all humanity with Adam is evident uh, you know that there was there's a sense of you know um, that he was uh, he was at the uh, at the very beginnings of, of humanity in in, in in whatever sense we might want to define that. But the question is how how uh, how does Christ become our federal head? You know yes. what I mean. Yeah. Uh, what, what what connects us with Jesus Christ? You know, because like the people of Abraham were the people of Abraham because they're all connected, you know, like yes. genetically yes. with Abraham. People of you know, it's the human race after Adam. Adam stood at the headwaters of the human race, right? Mm-hmm. So the, all of the human race, uh, you know, comes from Adam. So, so there's a kind of a natural you know, yeah. connection that stands there. So the question is, hang on, but but how are we connected with Christ? Well, I mean he's already made yeah, that. That's right, he has. Hasn't yeah. he? He's already said it's through faith. Yeah. Actually. It's through faith that we're related to Christ. Now faith is a decision yes, that we have to it's make. A choice. Yeah. And and this is important because I think if you say it automatically, it just automatically happens. Uh you know, we're we're made right and, and it just happens automatically. it actually negates something really important, a really theological point about the level to which God empowered human beings. We were so empowered, uh, we were created with such a level of empowerment that carried enormous responsibility that we were given the prerogative in some sense, a very real sense, to actually choose our own destiny. Yeah. You know, like yep. that level of we we were given the right. Let me put it this way: we we're given the right to self-determine, mm. not canceling out the sovereignty of God. Okay, and there's a bit of a paradox there. But we were given, in a very real sense, the right to self-determine. Now, that's a, I mean, uh, you know that that level of freedom is uncomfortable. Oh, gee, I don't know if I want that. You know that I actually that my, you know. That, that my eternal well-being depends on choices that I like, make. am I that resp- Yes. Well, mm. welcome to being human. That's yes. being human is being, is that level of, of responsibility. responsibility. Mm. Um, so yes, God has made it, you know, through Christ, all are made alive. Now the all here though is already been qualified in yes. this letter. Yeah. It's because there's still a choice
1: here that mm. we need. There's still a choice here we need to make. Um, which is that a bit like, you know? And correct me if I'm wrong. But is that a bit like the choice that, if we go back to the priests in the, in, you know, early, yeah. in the Old Testament, where, where everyone brought their offering, we had yeah. to bring something and give it as a sacrifice. Yeah. But then the priest went yeah. and used that to atone. We've got yeah. to bring something. Yeah, we that's can't right. Can't come yeah. handed and yeah. expect. So, yeah, and so what we're asked to bring is our lives. Yeah. you know, we're asked exactly. to give those. You
0: know. Exactly. It's 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 a relational principle. Yeah, yeah. God wants a relationship with us, and He wants that relationship to extend to all eternity. Mm. But if it's not chosen by us, mm. it's not a real relationship. This is why we even have the capacity to make choices in the first place. Like, what is that capacity for, yeah. if not ultimately that we would choose God? Yes, and and that choice is essentially what faith is. Faith is the willingness for God to be our God. Essentially, yeah. yeah. So, you know. To say that it just applies automatically, whether we choose it or not, to me is it it negates that very important point about the way that God created us as people with Mm. free will to Mm. enter into a relationship with Himself. It's it disempowers human beings, uh, takes away that level of responsibility. That actually, the flip side of that is it takes away that level of empowerment. Yeah, you know so. Um so I think Paul's well and truly answered. You know, I think he's I think that's taken as a given. What he's doing here is, you know, he's not saying everything in this passage. He's simply saying, uh, answering the question, well, how can it how can it work that um you know that what one person did can apply for everyone? Yeah. That well, doesn't seem fair. Yeah, that doesn't seem fair. Well he's saying no, actually, well, because if it happened that through Adam all were became sinful, yeah. Then how much more can yeah. it be than the other way? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so um, uh, that's the
1: point that that yeah, he's arguing good. here. That's good. Yeah. Before you move on, I just want to go back to to Romans five verse six to eight because these two verses have been pretty yep. kind of instrument. You know, yet while we were still sinners, mm. I think for for all of us, we probably go through a season wondering, you know, when we've made mistakes or we've. You know, got it wrong and we kind of go oh I just don't feel yeah. good enough to yeah. be accepted by God if we can come back to that point and say whilst we had our back turned to God yeah. weren't remotely interested in yeah. him he still paid the ultimate price of yeah, his son right. then how much more even if there's just a little bit of us yeah. trying to seek yeah. God and turn back yeah. to God is he going to want to save yeah. us and help us and yeah. and, and walk with us. Now. Exactly. And I think f- for me, in, in, for, certainly in my much younger years uh, as a Christian, when I was going through this whole strange process of, am I really saved? Am yeah. I not really saved? We've that all been through verse, that one. Exactly. Yeah. That verse was so powerful to me because I could, I could say to myself, look, when I wasn't even interested in God yeah. in any way, his son still died for me. Yeah. Know? So now, even if it's just a curiosity, how much more is God want to, going to want to grab? Yeah, me, you another know? way of
0: putting that is yeah, that great. is that God, if God, you know, God was committed to us, yeah. even when we were still yeah. in the depths of rejecting God, mm. how much more will God r- remain committed to us, even when we stray yeah. away yeah, or, or exactly. we, you know, we we, make we fall over? We no, He's still actually absolutely committed to us. Yeah. I think that's the yeah, that's absolutely. that's enormously comforting thing. And of course, he's just talked about peace, hasn't he? Yes, that's right. You know, and this is the peace that we have, that that there is a security in God's commitment to us. Now, God is committed to us, but we still have to make that commitment of faith to God. But once we, in that sense, covenant with God, you know, and and we formalize that through baptism, there's a sense of, no, God is good to his commitment to us. Yeah,
1: absolutely. You know,
0: I know there's been many times a number of times in my life, in fact, very important moments where I've recognized, man, I could I could mess this up. Mm. And I've just said, God, I've just got to trust mm. that you're going to wake me up protect, if I go
1: wrong. Protect me from myself. Yeah, almost. protect me
0: from myself. Yep. And, you know, yep. again and again and again, God has brought me to my senses. Yep. And so I, I have, where I would have just strayed off, honestly, so many times, mm. by the grace of God, he has brought brought me back to my senses. I think
1: that's true for many of us. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's, that's
0: our comfort. That's where, that's mm-hmm. what I have, you know, that's my peace. It's like left up to me, you mm-hmm. know, I'd, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd be straying off, you know, a long way away, yeah. but God is committed to me. So yeah, that's good. Yeah. Chapter six, um, raises the question because at the end of uh, chapter five, I'll just read the end of chapter yeah, five as a good lead in uh, to, the, to a great point that Paul makes in, in chapter six. He says, the law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. <laughs> what does he mean by that? Um, yeah. What he's saying is that it brings something to the surface. Yeah. Brings it to the surface. Yeah. Uh, if the rumble
1: it, strips are now making a noise. Yeah,
0: exactly. If you say don't do that, I mean anyone that, that that has kids knows, mm. don't do that. Oh, oh wow! I, you know, I am going to go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it just it just brings the desire to the surface. Yeah, you know, yeah. so that's what he means. The law has this effect of actually bringing something to the surface. Yeah, right. This is what I actually. I have often have this conversation with new Christians, people that become Christians, because they, with all of the passion and the joy of accepting Jesus and finding forgiveness, and and of course, what happens is that their their consciences become very sensitive, right? Mm-hmm. And so, there comes a point, and and it's not straight away, uh, and, and I know I'm generalising here, but this is I, I, having been a pastor for a while, this is often the case. There will come a point where they'll start. To feel like I'm getting worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm getting worse, not better. Because all of these things will start coming they didn't up in their see. life you they didn't even before. see before, yep. right? Yep. Or you know, and it'll just feel like turmoil. Yeah. Hang on, I've become a Christian and now my life is is in turmoil, but that's because Everything floats to the surface, right? Mm-hmm. It's about the truth. Mm. So it's it's as though God is saying, right? I love you. I love you. I love you, right? Mm-hmm. So let's just be secure in that. But here's okay. We need to work now on. we're going to have a conversation yeah. about this, <laughs> <laughs> and He wants us to know that He loves us and accepts yeah. accepts us, so that we will be able to see that stuff and know that it doesn't it doesn't take away from our status mm. with God, our position with God, but. You know, God, by his Spirit, brings all of these things to the surface. Now, this is essentially what Paul is saying. The law actually had that effect, you Mm. know, because it's inspired by the Spirit of God. It's to actually make you conscious Of actually, how much you needed salvation?
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and probably for two key reasons: one, to have life and have it abundantly, because yeah. He knows the best way for us to live. But also, so that we can reflect Christ to a world that needs to know yeah. Him. You know, otherwise, He would just save us and take us to eternity exactly. straight away. No, no, the purpose is we're on mission. Yeah, and He wants us to be a great reflection. Yeah, exactly. The best reflection that we can be for Him.
0: Yeah. Exactly. I, you know, I've been a Christian for uh, thirty-five years. I had no, the things that I see in myself, I I had no idea when I became a Christian, Mm. 35, that that I was in that, that it was that bad. Like in terms of my human nature. It's like you peel back the levels, you know, you go through the just the obvious kind of moral stuff that, you you know, but then you realize, man, there's some really, deep kind of god complex, really mm. deep stuff going on
1: in our nature. And, and stuff that some people will may never, ever see. It's just you yeah. know about it. You yeah. know about what your oh, mind or your heart exactly. or motivation is, and yeah. everyone else doesn't see that, but you know it's
0: there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think a lot of mature Christians that I talk to, what makes them mature Christians is not that they think that they've got it all together, no. but they see more than they ever did how much they have they actually needed God's grace and salvation, how much they need it even now, Mm, right? mm. Because God peels, it's this process of peeling back the layers and, and giving you, and and therefore as soon as things come, this is the thing, as soon as things come to light, they lose their power, right? So this is why we need to see these things, but this is this is the That's process, right. yeah. you know. Like I I appreciate now the grace of God. I mean, he says Paul goes on to say the laws brought in so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Right? Mm-hmm. I I I have so much more appreciation now for the grace of God. Grace isn't something, oh yeah, that was relevant when I first became a Christian, yeah. but you know, yeah. the whole thing about Jesus and dying for our sins and the grace and saved by grace, all this Roman stuff, Yeah, you know, maybe that belongs to the beginning stages. Yeah. No way. Yeah, yeah. It's now more than ever because the more conscious I become of how deeply this problem actually went in the first place, the more I recognize, wow, the grace of God mm-hmm. and how much grace is actually covered. So, you know, this is what he's pointing to: where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Which raises the question: Ah, oh, hang on. So if if grace is if grace increases where sin increases, then we should go ahead and sin. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter then. But, d- and done. I mean, what he's uh, anticipating here is he, it's, he's got this. Um, a kind of imaginary Jewish opponent in a sense in his mind. You see this at the beginning of chapter 1. Yeah, you know right. you you who say such and such. Yeah, yeah. He's got this imaginary probably thinking of himself actually in his yeah. former life.
1: Correct when he was a. I
0: mean he knows what he knows what someone might be thinking on the other side because yeah. he was there, right? Yeah, yeah. You know and and he imagines someone say ah oh, you know ah oh, so it doesn't matter then. So, oh, great! So let's just let's just throw, you know, let's just sin, uh, so that grace might increase. Then is that what you're saying? You know, and mm. says, uh, no, no, you don't get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we and this is where in the interesting thing in chapter six, he uses, uh, he he actually goes on to use Exodus imagery. We've been saved from slavery. Yeah, this is yeah. something that, that a Jewish uh, person should get. You know, at this time, we've been saved from slavery, not to go back into slavery. In fact, he puts it in stronger terms: we've been saved from death. Yes. Uh, are we then going to go back into? No, we've been saved into life in order that we might live and live life to the full. Yeah. What's the point of it? It's grace. Grace saves us into life. Mm. Not so that we can go back to death. So this is why he makes the point: No, no, no. We were we were ba- we, we were joined to Jesus Christ, and we died that old self. We don't sin anymore. We've been actually saved from that. Uh, and this is where and then he goes on in the second half of that chapter to use the illustration of slavery. Yeah. You know, thinking of the Jewish people that came out of slavery. Well, uh, by the, it was grace. It was the grace of God. They weren't. I mean, Jewish people weren't in a great shape. No. When Moses came and saved them from slavery, uh, Mm -hmm. they were saved by grace out of Egypt into their freedom. Well, I mean, why... You don't then go back to Egypt, and of course he's imagining as kind of legalistic, law centered Jewish yes, opponent here. Right. It's a it's a powerful argument. I mean, yeah. it's really clever. Yeah. It's a yeah. powerful argument because he's appealing to the Exodus image imagery, and he's saying, if you think like that, you're one of those guys Who in the desert to... that was always wanting to go okay. back to Egypt. Exactly. Yeah. That's so it's a powerful. Uh, it's a very powerful yeah. argument, but it underscores the fact that, um, that. It's not like uh, the value of this chapter. It's not like by grace we get the badge, we get our ticket to heaven, yeah. and then it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter what we are oh, does well, but because I've got my ticket to heaven, mm-hmm. you know, oh no, I can go, I can go and live lead, lead a sinful life. I'll just confess my sins on my deathbed, and I'll be right. Uh, no, that's you've just actually that attitude is actually essentially a rejection right. of God's grace it's essentially yeah. a rejection of yeah. god's grace yeah. because god's grace is given to bring us from death to life yeah uh so that we might and, and paul says elsewhere you know we've been we've been saved in order that we might fulfill actually what the law was talking about it's yes. not that the law is 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 not no longer relevant the law pointed in points to a kind of life that actually couldn't be achieved just by following yeah.
1: commandments sin is not good for us and so yeah if you just want to go on living your life because you've got the ticket, as you say, and sin, you're not going to have the best life. You're not going to have the full yeah. life, the abundant life. That's the right. rules weren't there just to be rules. They were yeah. there because they were what was good for yeah, us. Exactly. The law was exactly. there because of what was good for us yeah. and what would, would give us the best. Yeah. Um, exactly. And then, of course, to reflect that to others in yeah. our witness in our lives. Yeah. as well. exactly. So,
0: Yeah. Exactly. So you know, we were, we weren't just saved, you know so that we could have our ticket and then just you know uh, bunker down and mm. just live the way that we're living but i've got my ticket so i go to heaven in the end no we're saved so that we can actually become the people
1: god wants us to be
0: that god wants us to be we're we're saved into life and so that's he's saying the whole point is that you live life so go and live that life mm. you know we was we were saved so that we could fulfill what the law pointed to in a way that can't, you can't do just by keeping the rules, but by the Spirit. The Spirit enables us
1: to live the kind of life that the law was pointing to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it also speaks to the fact that when we make that decision, when we accept that gift of grace, essentially eternal life begins for us at that point. Yeah. It's not some point in the future. Yeah. you know That's when our yeah. eternity begins, and so yeah. we want to start living in a yeah. way that's going to bring glory to God. So, yeah, it's fantastic. It's a,
0: it's a good topic because you know, there's a lot of discussion around, well, you know, d- does it matter what we do or how we live um, that, you know, as, as long as you, you accept, say yes to Jesus by faith. And, you know, there's, it's, there's some lack of clarity, I think in a lot of people's minds about where actually living the right way kind of fits in. Like, does it, you know, does it matter if I, how much does it matter? Yeah. I mean, another way of putting that conversation Uh, pitching that conversation is, and it sounds absurd, but the question has been asked theologically, can you accept Jesus as your savior without having Jesus as your Lord? Mm. And it's, it's a silly question in a way because he is, he saves us. He is our savior so that he can be our Lord. I mean, because it's, he is our Lord because that's our freedom. Mm. It's the only freedom is actually not being without an authority over our life. Mm freedom is having the right kind of authority. Mm. I mean if you think you don't have if you think you don't have any authority over your over your life, well you're fooling yourself. I mean we mm. we 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 there's a rabble of influences that determine our lives if God is not our God. Mm. So there there is this is our freedom. Our freedom is is allowing God to be our God. Jesus becomes our Lord. That's what we're saved into. Jesus sacrificed his life so that we could be set free from sin and you know live under his lordship that's yes. the whole point of it that's right you know exactly. so so okay. I think if you know if we're rejecting that we're actually rejecting our salvation mm-hmm. as, as such and and of course we're all gonna walk that path imperfectly we're going to trip over you know the key is not that you don't trip over the key is what you do afterwards you get up you just get up and you come back that's what faith is yeah is yep you messed up it you know of course we, we, we're we imperfect people. Now, just get up, put your faith in Jesus, and get back on the road and walk forwards because that's what you were faith, saved for, so that you could live by the Spirit and walk with God. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive Deeper. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, ask questions, see all our resources and much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. We really appreciate the questions and thoughts about what you're reading as we go through the Bible with Thrive. Until next time, our prayer is that these shows will inspire you to go deeper and thrive.